anybody know where we're going today? Yeah, good, good guess. Right on. Ephesians chapter 3. Go to, um, grab your Bibles. Go to verse 14. I, um, we're going to just do the last two verses of Ephesians chapter 3 today, but I want to, I want to just take a, take a quick recap on where we were last week because Paul's praying for the Ephesians. He wrote this, he wrote this book, if you're, if you're visiting with us, we're in a series where um, we're just studying this, this book, uh, a letter that Paul wrote to a bunch of believers who lived around a town called Ephesus. It, it wasn't to a specific church there, but it, it, rather to all the believers in that area. And from there, it spread out till it reaches us today. So there's stuff in here that he's writing to us, um, to us about as well. And I believe that God just wants to light some of those things up inside of you. So Paul said this as he prays in verse 14, for this reason, um, or he says, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. And we, stop, we said that, you know, we stop and think about it, about how great God is. It just, it, worship becomes a response from inside. He says in verse 16, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he'll empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts uh, as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into his love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of God, though it's too great to understand fully, because then you'll be made complete. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. He's praying for some things like inner strength that, you're gonna, that you have to face the hardships that you're going through. Because you're going to go through hardships. You just get a choice of what, which way you're going to do them. You're going to do them in fear, worry, anxiety, and that'll just make it that much worse. Or that, that idea of inner strength that, that you just trust God for to, to carry you through um, situations that you're facing. That Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith. We talked about that before. It's not by feelings. It's not whether you, know, you feel like you're a Christian today or not. It's that idea of he dwells in your heart by faith. Uh, we talked about that last week, that your life would be rooted and grounded in love. Man, it makes all the difference in the world depending on where your roots are. Because his love is forever. He's, that, that's never going to change. You get your roots in money, that can change tomorrow. You got your roots in another person, they could be gone or ditch you tomorrow. He's saying have your roots in, uh, in his love. And then understanding God's kind of love. Because it's nothing like the kind of love that we see going on around us. You know, uh, uh, if, if at uh, weddings all over the country, you know, yesterday, people are professing their love for one another. And out of those, 50% of them were lying. It's true, because when it really comes to the matter of whether love was really there or not, they say, no, I quit. Different kind of love, the God kind. But he says it's not just knowing about it. Yeah, okay, I know God's kind of love. But experiencing it, allowing your life to be lived out of that kind of love, that's what Paul's praying for, and he's praying that for you. And we said last week, too, put your name in there. You know, I pray that Stan. You know, I pray that Andrew. I pray that Dan. I pray that Jocelyn, I pray that Brian, I pray that, you know, my parents, Howard and Jack, I pray that you would be filled with inner strength. I pray that you'd have an understanding of God's love, and I pray that you'd experience it. I'm praying, you know, even for yourself, you can pray that. Um, and so Paul had just, he, he just prayed this, and then he's, he finishes off by saying this, and I just want to switch to the King James, or New King James Version for this, because of the wording it uses. It says this, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. To him who is able. You're like, what's, what's uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, inspired to shout amen. Maybe you don't do that. 
But I hope that there was like this inner amen that just went off inside. Like if I was brave enough, I would have said amen inside. I'm saying it, right? Or inside. I Just smile at me. Smile if you're like, yeah, okay, you know what? God's pretty good. He's right on. Cool. Even in the back. Sweet. You know, why? Why? Why is he so good? Listen to this. Paul's saying this after he prays that, hey, I pray that you would get and understand this. He says, now to God who is able to. Do you realize that God has all the power, has all the authority, has all the rights, and has all the strength to do? That's what it actually is saying. That God is able, that's what it means. He, he, can, he can do. He can provide, produce, create, make something out of nothing um, at any time. You know, a lot of us, the question we have is, can God? You face something like, uh, can God really do this? Like, God, I have no money and I need a truck. Can God? Yeah, God can. He wants to change your can God to God can. As Paul's saying this at the end, he's like, God can. Uh, can and is able to do. Uh, it, it's always been that way with us and God. When Jesus was walking the planet, people would, uh, would come uh, up to him and say, you know, God, can you, Jesus, can you heal my daughter? <laughs> yes, I can. And others would say, Jesus, are you willing to heal? And he's like, yep, I'm willing. Every time that they would ask, he would respond in that, in that, in that positive thing of saying, yes, I can and I will. He's saying the same for you today. God can God's willing. There's a part of us that the believing is so important because so many of us believe, and which is not faith at all. It's like, oh, can God? He's wanting to say, you know what? Yeah, God can. You, you, you don't believe that this kind of love is possible? You believe it. It's possible because God can. Uh, and so he says this, God can and he will. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. This was, uh, this is crazy. You know, in, in Greek, the, in, and you'll learn a little Greek lesson here, but this is one of the only two times uh, that they use this word in the Bible. And it's not just one word. It's like three words that they put together so that it would mean a whole lot more than just one word. Uh, and, and, you know, we've got big long words like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and, you know, uh, anti-disestablishmentarianism and, you know, putting just different words together. I don't know which is the longest word, but this this idea of adding these words together. Well, this one's the words Hooper, Eck, and Parisos, three words that they put together to mean Hooper, Eck, Parisos, Hooper. So he uses the same word twice. Everybody all together? Hooper, Eck, Parisos? Right, all right, all good, yeah, whatever you said. So, hey, when, it, when it's just Hooper, it just means beyond, above. That's what Hooper means. But when you put Hooper ek Parisos, and Parisos actually kind of, uh, it means this um, exceedingly, but you put it all together, and the translation sounds like this. And I'm, uh, the reason they use the words exceedingly abundantly is so they don't put all of these words in, but it means this, beyond, more than, exceeding some number, over and above, more than is necessary overflowing, exceedingly, abundantly, supremely more, superior, extraordinary, surpassing. All those words should have been in that verse. My God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond, supremely, uh, uh, um, superior, extraordinarily. And as you start seeing this, this is why somebody has three testimonies. What? Because God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you're asking or thinking. You know, kids get this. This idea of, like, um, you know, when you use numbers, what's the highest number? Anybody know the highest number that you, that you can think of? What's your highest number? Trillion? That's pretty good. Anybody beat a trillion? Affinity. <laughs> Affinity plus two. Uh, th- you know, with kids, like uh, my kids too, they argue about stuff, you know. It's, 
Uh, and you hear, you hear other kids all the way through school, you know, uh, you know I, gotta, I can do like a, a hundred of those. Yeah, well, I could do a thousand. Yeah, well, my dad could do a million. And then it's billion, then it's trillion, and then they just add alien to everything. Gazillion, kabillion, super duperillion, you know, squillion, whatever it is, as long as it's got alien, it's a bigger number. And they get that. It doesn't matter. You just add whatever. It's over and above whatever the other guy had. That's, that's how that goes. They get it. Um, uh, this week, I was helping doing some roofing uh, for my brother-in-law, Ronnie Fast, um, and, and I had promised promised myself years ago when I did my last roof that that was my last roof. Uh, and I don't know how I forgot. I'm getting old, you know. But I forgot. So it's Ronnie Fast and his brother, Carlos. So two Fasts and me. And they, so they said, yeah, we're, we're Fast Brothers Roofing Company. And they are nothing like that sounds. They are, they, they, it should have been this roof so simple. It should have been a one-day job for pros, maybe one and a half for rookies. But day three was yesterday. Um, and and d- day three at 9.30 during, after the sermon was over, I got a text with them with a flashlight on top, putting the last shingle on. And you know what? I was like, oh, this is nuts. Well, on day one, we went and we started. We got some stuff done. Day two, I came back and, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna, they got the rest of the day and all morning. So I came back in the afternoon to, to help them with their roof. And I figured they should have that half done by now. I got there. There wasn't a single shingle put on while I was away. I'm like, this is crazy. It's going to rain. I'm laying awake at night worrying about their roof. Uh, and the reason, the reason, they were up there working the whole time. But what they had done on the day before, uh, they had ripped off this chimney, this uh, smokestack thing. So they had torn it off, and it left this hole that kind of looked like a, the continent, like Australia a little bit. And uh, it was this really jagged thing. And I told them, you know, that you, you got to put something in that hole. So put a piece of two-by-four on it, slap another piece, and a little just whatever, a piece of scrap, um, plywood in there, and then it's fixed. And so I went home. I came back, and I was like, they haven't done anything till I got up on the roof. And I got up to this place, and you know, if you, if, you, if you do roofing, whatever, you just know. You just cut a square hole and put a little square piece in, and you're done. These guys, no. Because, like, for them, it's almost like uh, it's a little bit OCD maybe, but they lovingly place every shingle in the line like it's their child. They measure three times just to make sure that it's perfect. Well, that's the same with the hole. Instead of cutting the hole, they decide to get a piece of plywood and cut and carve and shape it to fit this thing perfectly. I should have taken a picture. It was watertight just from the wood being put in, in the same place. Why? Because it's over and above. They get that. I'm, I'm going to call them A and X, you know, abundantly and exceedingly, because they are, you know, it, it's way overkill for what is actually needed. But they, were, they allowed me to say it as long as I said that they were more like God than any other roofers. So... Uh, they get that. More than necessary is what they were doing. No one's ever going to see that, but more than necessary. They get it. Um, you know, Bobby, Bobby gets it. Uh, when he was gone on his, you know, one of his holidays, somebody decided to put a bottle of dish soap into his hot tub while he was away. I have no idea who that was, I swear. So uh, when he got back home and hopped in his hot tub after a thing and turned on the jets, well, overflowing is what happened. Not just the hot tub, bubbles all over the deck, in the lawn, everywhere bubbles. Uh, and the neighbors looking out laughing. Why? Because that, that's what overflowing looks like. And he's saying, God can do this exceedingly abundantly in your life. Does, does that, does the, when you think about God working in your life, does it sound like that? Or is it like, oh, I don't know, can God? Other countries get it. We went to Guatemala. You know, here, how many people do you put in a minivan? Seven? Eight? Twenty? Yeah, you've been to Guatemala. How many, uh, how many Guatemalans can you put in a minivan? Right? Just one more. Uh, it doesn't matter. There's no limit to the amount. And when we were in the Philippines, we were going up a, a mountain on a jeepney to a tribe, and we saw this dirt bike go by with a husband, a wife. I think they were married. They had kids. A husband, a wife, two little kids hanging on for dear life, a little baby between the husband and wife, and three pigs strapped to the sides like saddlebags, alive, going up 
the hill. And I'm like, that's, they get it. You can do a whole lot more with a motorbike than what we think. It's this idea of have that thought process of believe God for more. This over and abundant um, thinking, because that's how he thinks. Uh, And he says this, that God can do exceedingly abundantly. You get the point? This over and above, more than necessary, uh, uh, above all that we can ask um, or think. The words ask and think that are talking about, when you see the words, uh, the way they're, the, the kind of the, the way they're written, it's this idea of asking, begging, and craving, but for your own benefit. It's this idea of God can do more than what you're asking for you, that you're not asking big enough, that you're, you think this is what I really need. And, and you know, I, I hear people, I talk to, to people, and they like, they get a verse, and they decide, that's my verse, no matter if it lines up with any other verses in the Bible, that one is for me. So like John 14, 14, one guy had shared with me that is this, um, he said, you know, the, Jesus said you can ask for anything, right? What's that word? Yeah, anything. You can ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. And so he was talking to me. He's like, I've been praying. He's like, you know, God, make this girl want to date me again. And, and, and I'm like, what? You can't pray that, you know? Yes, you can. It says you can ask for anything. And I'm like, really? He's like, yep. So I said, hey, God, make this girl want to date me uh, again in Jesus' name, right? So put that on there, make sure it's in his name. I'm like, you, you, you're, okay. For one, this girl's not a believer, and I think you might be, so I don't even know after a prayer like that. But he says, don't marry an unbeliever. He's not going to bless you with what's actually going to be a curse in your life. The other thing is he's not into slavery. He's not going to ruin the rest of her life just so she, so he can answer your prayer so she dates and marries you. Right? He doesn't work like that. But there's these thoughts of like how we, we pray and, and we want to ask. In James it says you don't have because you don't ask. Some of you are like, I don't have stuff. And you're like, oh, okay, I don't have because I don't ask. But he also says, then some of you, you don't have because you're asking, but you ask for the wrong motives. You ask so that you can spend it on yourself. You're like, you know, you're praying to be rich, but just so that you're in comfort, never thinking that, you know, God wants to, to do things in your life to bless other people. You know, your retirement plan is something like, oh, God, let me win the lottery. And, and that's, that's kind of how you pray through things. But he's saying, you know what, whatever it is for you, this God, fill in the blank. But he says so much through the word about this idea of asking and seeking what he desires for you. You know, in Matthew 6, he just says, seek ye first. Like, really seek, like hide and seek. You're actually trying to find it, trying to find his kingdom and his righteousness in your life, trying to find his will and his desire for your life. And it says, you know what, he can do exceedingly abundantly more. Asking for, um, for Holy Spirit, he says, you know what, I can... How much more, if a, if a bad dad's going to give his kids food, how much more, if, if you ask me, am, am I going to do? Again, this idea of, of more. But he says, how, you know, whether he can do above and beyond all that you ask or that you think. Sometimes this idea of thinking, what, what are you thinking? What are you thinking about God? What are your thoughts when it comes to God? Beth hates when I ask her that question. What are you thinking? She's, you know, if she's quiet, I get nervous, right? So I'm like, I'm either in trouble or... I'm in trouble. So uh, what are you thinking? And she's like, oh, I, I'm not thinking anything. Like, we go on a date, and she's like, I'm, not, I'm just thinking that I don't have four kids asking me every question, and, and now you're asking me, you know? What are you, but I want to ask you, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Do you, do you stop to think about actually how you think about God? Because he's saying God can. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. So he's saying this, this idea, this is God. This is who he is. Um, the strength that Paul prayed for before, that love, that, that, that this idea of thinking, God, can you really flood my life with so much love that I can just live out of that? Yeah, God can. 
He can. He can do far more than that. The greatest imagination, if you were just to think and, and imagine, what would be the greatest good that God could do in your, in your life? Or what it would be the greatest uh, thought of, you know, living a life that, that uh, God's blessing and favor is on? Well, he's, he can do exceedingly abundantly more than what you can think because he's just that good. Uh, somebody said this morning, I'm just feeling like, the, you know, I'm living in the goodness of God. What a great thought. Um, you know, I, I, I want to encourage you that what Paul was saying, that a revelation of the love of God, if you really understood God's love, if you really had the chance to experience God's love, it would fix a lot of things in your life just like that. Do you realize that? Do you realize that you wouldn't need to work for people's approval if you really knew that God loved you? So if you're working for people's approval, it kind of says you probably don't have a revelation yet or experiencing God's love for you. You don't need to buy stuff to find happiness. Why? Because you got him. Nothing compares. You don't need to have a girlfriend or a boyfriend in high school just to feel, you know, complete or feel that, you know, oh, good, somebody would date me. Why? Because you got God. You know who you are. You don't need to try and be perfect to earn God's approval. Why? Because you know he loves you. When you're good, when you're bad, you just know he loves you. It, it changes from the inside. You don't need to defend yourself when you're falsely accused. Why? Because you're loved. It doesn't matter what they say. It's why Jesus could, could go to the cross, you know, under false things because he's loved. You don't need to have a, a title to try and feel significant because you already are. Just knowing that your love makes you significant. And that he's saying, I wish you would get that because how different would our lives be if we knew we were loved and could just love one another? He said, that's how people are going to know you're my disciples because you actually love one another. It says this, it's God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that's working in you. Do you realize God's power is working in your life if you're a believer? That's not, like, um, that's not like this abstract idea. That's actually fact. That if we'll allow, and again, it's this idea of allowing that and, and trusting in that power that's working in our lives, um, that his spirit can bring you inner strength, that it actually affects real life. Do you see Holy Spirit affecting your real life? Or is it just something we talk about on Sundays? It's supposed to affect real life. I have somebody's going to share this morning. Rhonda's going to share just about how, you know, Holy Spirit's been affecting her life. So uh, give her a quick hand. She's not nervous at all. Before I share um, the testimony, uh, when we sang the song, When He Walks Into the Room, I had this vision of um, Jesus actually walking through those doors, and his hands were reached, stretched out on both sides um, of the, the church. And it's almost like he wanted to say, everyone is anointed. Um, so take that as you, you want. So anyway... Um, so for weeks now, we've been studying the book of Ephesians, and it's not that I went home after every service and started digging into scripture and looking up things. It's, it's not like that at all, but certain verses, they, they resonated within my heart, and so that's kind of where the story begins. Um, for many years, well, a few years now, I've hosted and led a woman's Bible study in my, my home, and it's been a great time for, for learning and growing with the ladies, and it's been, I, I totally recommend it for for anyone who's, who wants to dig deeper. And the deeper we dug, the deeper we grew, and it was amazing. Um, but in December, I, I kind of hit a wall, and I didn't understand what this wall was, and it wasn't that I was spiritually dry, um, but there was just something unsettled within me. Um, I thought I was actually getting burnt out because I have a full-time career. 
I have a, a company to run. I have family to, to spend time with, Bible study to lead and host, and just a lot of things going on. So I honestly thought I was being getting burnt out. So I, I, I backed off of the um, study group. And it was a wise decision because it gave me some time to think. Um, but actually within a few days of, of, of that decision, the unsettling returned. And so I, even though I knew it was a wise decision, it still was unsettled. And every time that um, Scott and I were talking about my career and about his upcoming um, contact or contract negotiations, um, I just got agitated, and we kind of closed that subject real quick. And then through through uh, the few weeks, Mark was studying or Mark was preaching on the Ephesians 1, 18 and nineteen, and it's, it goes, "I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that." You may know the hope that which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And at this, this particular point in time, I was praying really hard for answers for my career and my, our company. Um, and I mean, I was actually begging for answers. And all I got was silence in this scripture. So I thought, well, I better dig a little deeper into this scripture and figure out what it is that God's trying to tell me. And what I found out is this hope that was being spoken about was not a vague feeling that the future was going to be okay. It was an actual, a complete assurance of victory through God. And I thought, wow, that is really cool. And it seemed to settle me down for a bit, and then up came the unsettling feeling again. So, and during this time, I, I, I swear, I was going insane. And I know I drove my husband insane during this time, so that's okay, though. I love him. Um, but I, I knew I, and I knew I was struggling with something, but I didn't quite know what it was until one weekend when I poured my heart out to the Lord. And I mean, I didn't just weep. I actually poured my heart out. And Scott was up north at the time, so it was perfect timing for, for God to do this for me. And the, the more I poured out, the more he held me tighter and tighter and tighter. And I swear he squeezed the answer right out of me. But he never let up, and it was amazing. It was just amazing. Um, but again, I still really didn't have an idea what I was struggling with. I just needed, I know, at that point, I knew I needed to let go of something. Um, and since my Monday nights were free, I decided, okay, well, I'm going to start coming to Monday Night Prayer Group here, which is another amazing time. I totally recommend it. And ever since my first prayer meeting, uh, miracles have been happening in my life and, and for others that, that also attend. And it's not necessarily the group that brings the miracles. It's the fact that we're digging and seeking him that, that's bringing the miracles. And, and it's, just, it's also so important to know whose you are and to be, not just believing in God, but believing God and his promises. And the very next morning after my first Monday night Bible study, um, I knew what I was struggling with. Actually, I knew what I was struggling with on my way home from Monday night. But uh, Tuesday, I knew what I was struggling with. And what, what it was is I needed to give up my career. And this career is a, a career that I've had for 20 years. Um, it's brought me success. It's brought me money. It's brought me joy. It's brought me a lot of things, but it never brought me God. And it was time to let go. And during my prayer time that week... I completely surrendered because I thought that was just ludicrous that I would hear this. How could I possibly let go of a career that brought me all this stuff? But he showed me. He was faithful, and he showed me. And what he did was um, he brought scriptures to, my, to, to me. 
during my quiet time and prayer time. Um, and these scriptures, they were his promises, and it blew my mind because I'm not the type of person who knows exactly where certain verses are in the Bible. So it was just, it was mind-boggling at this point. And what he shared with me is his truth and his word. And it, Joshua 1, 9, Be strong and brave, for he is with me wherever I go. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, His plans and thoughts are beyond my limited ones. Ephesians 1, 16 to 32, I had to know him to ha- have an understanding of him. Isaiah 25, 1, Continue to thank him for the amazing things that he's done and planned long ago. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, Examine my heart, O Lord, and lead me to an everlasting life. I wanted to share this with, with everyone because I think it's a critical point in our walks that we continue to dig deep and seek him and find him, to know him, to, to realize how much he loves us, to hear his voice speaking to us and not be afraid to step out. He is my father and I am his daughter. And throughout all this, I've also claimed um, Jeremiah 29, 11 as my own personal promise. And it, it's just, I can't shake it, and I don't want to shake it. Um, and there's no way, and I know for a fact, there's no way that he would uh, lead me to surrender my career and not have a greater plan in place already. So um, I know, and that plan won't be fulfilled until I completely let go and let God. And have I resigned? No, I haven't resigned yet. But the letter is all written. It's just not dated. And when he speaks, I will hear his voice, and I will date that letter, and I will hand it in. No questions asked. I won't look back. Um, And through all this, this agitation that I was feeling with when Scott and I were talking about my career, it all boiled down to one thing, and that was money. It was money control. And I thought... You know, through all this, I, fought, I did let go of the money control, and I let, let God do what he needed to do. And then I thought, wow, you know, my husband just, all he wanted to do was allow me the opportunity to, to let go and be happy. And then I thought, wow, you know, my God loves me even more than that, and how much more he will give me when I finally do take that step. And it's perfect timing that we are ending with um, Ephesians 3.20, because it says, Now to him he who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all things we ask or think according to the, his power that w- is works within us. And we all have that power that is within us because that's the Holy Spirit. And I just wanted to encourage everybody to dig deep, seek him, find him, and he will answer. Thanks. Just seeing steps, you know, and realizing, too, that listening for God. Jesus said, men, you live by the Word of God. It's like not just, well, one day I got something. It's like it's your daily life, you know, when and knowing when. And it's awesome. And realizing that God's just given, you know, different things that were specific for Ron. And I want to encourage you with that. That doesn't mean, oh, God, you told Ron to quit her job. Oh, that must be for me, too. You know, and you all quit your jobs tomorrow. There's an understanding of that he wants something genuine and unique with you. That he wants to direct your life with his word for specific things that you're going through. I know Ephesians 3.20 is a close one to our family's heart because uh, it, it's something that um, many years ago, but I, I'll remember it like it's yesterday, that um, 
my little, well, I was 12 years old. My younger brother was, uh, Len was four. Many of you have heard this story, but uh, when he was four years old, he ran across the road in front of my dad and was hit by a truck. Uh, he, was, he was thrown 60 feet. His, uh, he had landed, you know, down by the, the neighbor's property um, and had broken eight ribs, went through his organs, pierced his lungs, and uh, he had a skull fracture, internal bleeding. And they didn't know if he was, you know, alive or what. But I remember my dad not, you know, the very first thing he did was he ran to the house and he called the, the kids. He said, come on upstairs, kids. Uh, Len just got hit by, hit by a car. And he said, we're going to pray. And we sat down there at the front entrance, and we, we began to just pray and, and, and call out to God. And my mom was not home at that point. She was out speaking at a conference, and I believe teaching on this very thought of Ephesians 3.20, because it was the word that God had already been kind of dropping in their heart for this moment. And when she heard that, they were like, um, <clears throat> you know, you can't, you got to stop speaking and meet, you know, meet your husband at the hospital. Your son's been uh, in a terrible accident. And going to the hospital, uh, and realizing that, you know what, God, I, I'm going to believe that you, that this is who you are. It doesn't matter what the doctors say. I know God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask uh, or think uh, according to the power that's working within us. And, and going through that, through that journey, you know, people come and say, oh, you know what, when he had like a whatever 50% chance of making that first night, and people saying, you know, God, God might be taking him. You know, he's got a purpose. He's got a reason. Uh, they're like, no, you know what, God can. What I know God's put in my heart for this situation is this, that God can do exceedingly abundantly, and holding on to that because it was something he gave them. As they walked through it, you know, realizing that from the, those early moments in, in uh, intensive care to the point where after two weeks they're like, okay, your son pulls out his um, tubes all the time and he won't stay in his bed and he's wandering around the hospital. Please take him home. You know, you guys can take care of him. He should have been there for a lot longer, uh, you know, but the, the fact is that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask uh, or, or think. You know, and I thought, thought, you know, we don't do it justice by just leaving it as that. Hey, God, what can you do for me? Because Paul didn't write it for that reason. He's, he's writing it in the sense that, yes, that is all true, but he writes it for this reason. It's the last verse. It just says this, to him be the glory. See, because God can, so, and he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think according to the power working in you. To him be the glory. That word glory is just to him be the praise, to him be honor, to him be worship. Let that flow towards him. And it says this, to him, to him be the glory in the church. That's not in this building. That's not, let's get together and sing some songs to praise God. Who's the church? Ha-ha. Who's the church? Well, you are. That's right. To him be the glory in your life. That as you live your life out of it, realizing, yeah, God can. And as I'm, I'm walking through life, my life is this. Uh, from my heart, from my soul, there's this praise to, to him for who he is. And, and the fact that, you know what, I might face a situation that looks like a mountain to him, it's a pea. You know, it's nothing. It's a grain of sand to him. Why? Because he can just do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think in this situation. All right, God, I'm with you in this. I praise you. I'm, I'm celebrating you. I'm holding you to it. Uh, and it says this in the church, so in your lives, to all generations, because it's not just for you. It's for you to tell your story, how big or small. I love that this morning. Tell your story forever and ever. Never let it stop. I love how some of you have been going out, and I keep hearing um, about people who don't know Jesus yet. But they're talking. Uh, so there's a couple of gals at our Saturday night service where one's talking to a doctor's wife, and one's, another one's just talking to some hockey moms, and they see this difference, and, they're, and they're, they're asking about it. Tell the stories of what God is doing, of how he is more than what you ever thought. Because those things, even though it was years and years ago, it's still that idea of, I'm God, I'm going to keep praising you for my brother because he's alive. You know, there's things things that you didn't think that have happened in your life because of God, because God can do exceedingly abundantly above. You know, I didn't think that I'd ever be able to speak in front of people. 
but I'm thankful to God that, that through him, he's given me a chance to do something. It's exceedingly abundantly above all that I ever imagined. You know, I didn't think that at one point Beth and I were able to have children. We were told that we weren't. The window of time had closed, and a year later, Reese was born. And exceedingly abundantly, is like now we have four. Um, right? But, you know, t- didn't think that we would ever have a Saturday night service where you could have people going to church on Saturday night, and that's filling up like crazy. Great things are happening on Saturday night. If, uh, if, it, if it works for you, it'd be great for you to join us uh, there and keep making room. I didn't think we would need to have that, but God just does exceedingly abundantly. People say when we planted this church, it's going to last one year. Uh, you know, we didn't think that five years down the road, it's just going to continue grow and influence. And pe- why? Because he's doing it in you. He's doing exceedingly abundantly more in you than I, than I could ever ask or think. I love seeing that. It's according to the power that's working in your life. So what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? What are you asking? Do you have that thought? Yeah, okay, God. <laughs> I've been asking, can God? But no, I'm going to go with Paul. I'm just believe, you know what? God can. I don't know how. don't know what. I don't know if it's like somebody else is going to have my tailgate. But <laughs> God, you can do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think according to the power working in me. So to you be glory before I see it. To you be the glory. To you be the praise in my life to the world forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for this. I pray that, that you would take the words spoken this morning, your word, cause them to just go deep down into hearts here this morning that they would, uh, it would remain there and that when it's tested, it would show itself to be true. <laughs> that it would grow and bear fruit in every person's life here for your glory, that the world might see, yeah, you are alive, alive, and not just alive, alive and involved and amazing. Love you, God. Thank you for giving us a chance to live in your grace this week. We do that with joy in your name and for your glory. Amen.